Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. We've got a great guest in the CEO of meetup.com, Mr. David Siegel. David is uh, an amazing executive level leader and wrote a really cool book called Decide and Conquer, which talks a lot about the decision making and how that really ultimately puts you in a position to conquer your goals, your dream, wealth, all of the things that we talk about here on the show. But it was really fun to talk about his journey leading up to uh, being the CEO of meetup.com. Many of you know what meetup.com is, right? Uh, many in-person events and groups and subgroups that you can identify, you know, people with similar interests or goals, um, activities, events, all kinds of cool stuff that meetup.com has done over the last 20 years. They're celebrating their 20-year anniversary this year. But before he became the CEO of this company, he's got an insane journey that really kind of goes back to the dot-com boom and what led him down this path of choosing kind of corporate America and working his way up into different CEO and executive level positions and a lot of the characteristics and qualities and skills and lessons that he learned along the way. But we also got to talk about how he did that in balance with keeping his priorities of, you know, a young family and his health and wanting to build wealth along the way in check while hustling and grinding and having the responsibilities of being a full-time CEO in many of the companies that he worked with along the way. It was really fun to also talk about kind of the power of meetups and events and building community, especially in the world that we're in today, now post-pandemic, right? A lot of people looking for ways to connect with like-minded people, to be in person or in proximity to individuals that they want to learn and grow and do life with, and how powerful community building and meetups and human connection and community is um, and how that can tie into your business or overall just your happiness, your fulfillment, your wealth. So it was really fun to talk about kind of the future of events, human connectivity, um, a lot of the benefits and ways of going about building community through meetup.com and their platform and some of the things that he's focused on and what they're working on next. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy today's episode. Uh, if you're new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode of Millionaire Mindcast. Uh, leave a five-star review in whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. And uh, don't forget to tag us on social media, uh, David uh, Siegel and uh, myself at OfficialMattier on Instagram. Uh, with that being said, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's dig into today's episode with David Siegel of meetup.com right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome in Mr. David Siegel. How are we doing today? I'm good, but the Mr. part, I don't know. Like, I'd rather be a little more informal, Maddie. A little, a little bit more informal. We were trying to figure out, you know, how formal, informal do we want to go? And uh, I'm excited for you guys to be tuning in today because 
Uh, David's got an amazing journey and story that really has touched a lot of different fronts. One on entrepreneurship, um, two in kind of like community building, which I think is really important, especially in the world we live in today. Um, and kind of how you guys have had to pivot uh, with you know current circumstances and where things are going, but also just this CEO, you know, leadership mentality that you know I think people always strive to get to those levels, but not many people do it at the enterprise level that you guys are at. So really excited for the conversations today. But for those that don't know who you are, or when you're out meeting and connecting with people, what is the 90 second elevator speech of who David is? Okay, let's get the stopwatch going. Here let's go, right? Uh, most importantly, husband, father of three, three amazing teenagers, 14, 17, and 20. So if you're going to say, who's David Siegel? Got to start with the family stuff, right? I love it. After that, much less important is um, I had some good education. Uh, I went to went to some good schools and then ended up working in consulting, realized there's a reason why people leave consulting because you're not oftentimes doing anything. Then I went to an amazing internet company that launched my entire career at age 24 called DoubleClick. It was the internet company, the dot-com boom and bust in the late 90s. And it ended up that the CEO of DoubleClick, just to fast forward and I'll rewind a little bit, ended up being the company, the person that acquired Meetup out of WeWork 20 years later. Wow. Yeah. A person named Kevin Ryan. And after that, I worked for a series of corporate gigs, shall we say, becoming a director at like 26 years old, and then a vice president uh, of 1-800-Flowers for five years, and then a senior vice president of 1-800-Flowers. Then it became a general manager of a, of, a, of a large business at a company called Everyday Health, which is a big publisher, health publisher, website and, and platform. Then it became president of a company called Seeking Alpha, which is an, mm. um, an amazing kind of financial platform. Yeah. Then it became CEO of Investopedia, um, which is the largest financial education platform out there. It was there for about four years, sold the company. Crazy story around that. And then ultimately, Adam Newman came and knocking at the door, and as did the president of, of WeWork and, and the board, and said, David, we want you to become the next the first CEO of Meetup after the founder has been here for 16 years. And I love Meetup. I love community. I grew up with, with community being super important, and I jumped at the opportunity. 27 interviews later, here... We ended up um, then divesting out of WeWork, and now we're an independent company. That's amazing, man. 90 seconds. That was good, by the way. Well well done, David. Um, I think there's so much there to unpack, right? In terms of the journey where some people want to go the corporate route, and they want to climb the ladder, and they want to get in you know, executive and C-suite and leadership level positions. Um, and even if you don't, right? I think there is so many breadcrumbs that you know people could benefit from learning in terms of your journey and what what did that mentality and climb look like for you did you always envision it being hey i want to keep improving growing get to that you know ceo level type of position or did that evolve throughout the journey and what did that look like for you okay so this is fairly rare but my first job in consulting and then at DoubleClick was actually in human resources, which is not that common. I was an HR partner. And uh, not many HR partners end up becoming CEOs. Although um, it happened at Xerox, it happened at some other companies, actually HR helps you to figure out how to recruit great people, how to motivate people, how to manage people, all those things that actually CEOs end up doing. Right. But so I was an HR guy, and the reason I was an HR guy was only because I had worked while I was in undergraduate school for an HR consulting firm. So it just ended up that I got all these HR job offers, and then I ended up moving into HR. And then I was at DoubleClick, and I was um, supporting as an HR partner the, the, the head of the largest business at DoubleClick, the technology business at DoubleClick. And he, that person, David Rosenblatt, ended up becoming the CEO, actually, of DoubleClick. And I saw what he did. It was the first time I had real exposure to a CEO. I was 24, 25 years old, you know, pretty fresh out of school. And I saw the influence that he had in people's lives. He was just an incredible leader. He helped make people's lives better. He was a coach. He was a mentor. But he wasn't just nice for the sake of being nice. He was, he was kind. 
And sometimes that meant letting go of people that weren't doing a great job. And sometimes it meant giving critical feedback, but it just saw the influence he had on people's lives. And I saw that and I said, that's what I want. I want that. So of course, I didn't know anything because I was, and some HR people can know stuff, but I was young. And, uh, and, and I was offered actually a job at DoubleClick that would pay me more than the average salary of a Warner Business School graduate. And we just even had a kid and I decided to go to business school um, and go from two salaries for two people to no salary for three people, me, my wife, and my kid for two years. So that was fun. Um, but, but it was basically that experience of being exposed to a CEO that, that at 26 years old said, okay, how do I become that? And I knew that there was just the path and I just did the path. Yeah. And in terms of some of the qualities, I know you've one become uh, a highly demanded CEO, but you've also been exposed to a lot of great, like you said, leaders and mentors. And I'm always a big believer in, you know, we grow into the conversations that we are having we grow into the environments that we put ourselves in. And when you're in proximity to some of those types of leaders, right, that, that cross-pollination is just natural. What have been some of the greatest qualities and characteristics you have, one, admired and noticed in other great CEOs and leaders you've been around, but also some of the things that you have really worked on and focused on yourself to sharpen your acts that you know has you know, really benefited the companies that you've been able to be a part of by having those qualities and characteristics? Okay. Um, I love it. And I totally agree. Who you expose yourself to. They even say you are like your five closest friends, a combination of those people, because you're just inevitably influenced by those people. And in fact, when I was younger, my dream job that I applied to was become an assistant to the CEO, to just be that person that was working with the CEO all the time after business school. Um, But uh, permission to name drop, if you don't mind. So listeners, hopefully you're rolling here. Um, So in the 20th century, Time Magazine awarded someone as the manager of the century. And the person they awarded the manager of the century of the 20th century, the 1900s, was Jack Welch. Jack Welch was the famous CEO for 20 plus years of General Electric. At the time that he left, he um, was the highest market cap company out there. And I had the fortune of actually spending one-on-one time with Jack Welch and the reason for that is because he was on the board of advisors for IAC, which is a company run by Barry Diller, and he's on the board. And I presented to the board, and I spent some time with Jack Welch. And I said to Jack, or Mr. Welch, I said, I guess he deserves Mr. Welch, not the first name. <laughs> I said to him, I said, I said, you were like the, the, the manager of the decade. What, like, what, 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 do you, what intelligence do you have to impart on what I should be doing. And he said to me, this is it. He held it like one finger, like, uh, you know, the Billy City Slickers, Billy Crystal movie. And he said, the most important thing, David, is to build trust, to build trust for your employee, with your employees. If you, and the best way to build trust is through transparency. Be a transparent leader, tell everyone everything. And if you don't have your employee trust, you don't have anything because they're not going to follow you. And if you have trust, you could handle anything. So to me, that like spoke volumes. That was super meaningful. I'll give some more people examples or I could riff for a while off of the trust thing, whatever you prefer, Matt. No, I, I love that. I mean, I think there are, and I would love to hear maybe some more because there's some, there's some gold nuggets in there, right? That, you know, I think trust is, is such an important thing in terms of, like you said, the transparency piece, that authenticity. It at least allows people to really feel like they know who that person is, whether you maybe agree or disagree with how they do certain things or live their life or whatever, right? Like understanding who they are, what they stand for gives you the ability to right, either magnetize the right people who align with that mission, that message, that lifestyle, um, or keep, you know, keep those people at, at bay, right? So I love that. What are some of the other ones that you've... And, and the best way to build trust for me also, besides transparency, is also just vulnerability. Yeah. Like as a leader... I think I feel like in the old school, it used to be, you know, you're above the fray, you're superhuman, and you don't suffer the, the vicissitudes of, of, of fortune good and fortune bad. But, but I think what people are looking for today, at least at, at Meetup, is vulnerability. Yeah, um, yeah. So in the book that I wrote, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, I talk about the Jack Wall story. I talk about kind of vulnerability, making mistakes, failing, owning those mistakes, sharing them with others, um, 
it, it creates an environment where people feel safe and 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 when people feel safe they and they can be their authentic selves and they don't have to be kind of a different person at work than the person who than they are in their real life and if they want to wear purple hair and shorts or whatever the heck that is great wear purple hair and shorts and rings up to wazoo i don't care be you be you and if be your best you and if you're your best you at work then you're going to love coming into work and you're going to do your best job i love that and i think it seems like more and more companies, communities, right, groups are really starting to embrace that type of ideology and inclusivity. Um, and maybe that's a good pivot to, you know, discuss a little bit more about what you guys have had to do in terms of, you know, community building, right? Meetup has been this amazing platform that connects people through you know, a variety of different, you know, alignments, right? And it was obviously before pandemic, very in-person, interpersonal, face-to-face, palm-to-palm type of interactions. And, you know, I'm curious what you guys have had to, or, or the, you know, the, the philosophy and execution around how you guys have had to pivot as a company and how that has really, you know, impacted community building and the good and the bad that's come with it. Awesome. Okay, I love it. So for those of the people who don't know, uh, Meetup's the world's largest platform for organizing and finding community. We have 57 million people around the world in 193 countries, everywhere but I think North Korea, where we're there. Maybe one day North Korea will get Dennis Rodman to set up like a Meetup. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. Like that. I don't know. And, and we, have, um, we have about 200,000 or so groups in hiking and, and outdoors and tech is a big area and identity-based groups. Um, and learning languages and just everything you can want to look at. We have an app, website, obviously. And this is our 20th year anniversary, actually this year, 2022. Wow. Yep. It was, it was the idea came up actually directly after 9-11 when people were searching for community and people were so distraught. And our founder said, it shouldn't take a tragedy to build community. And, and the le- website actually launched in June, then a, a, you know several months later, of 20 of 2002. So we're gonna have a nice big 20 celebration 2022. So we, we had a, a tremendous amount of growth and we were vehemently focused on one thing, which is IRL in real life, that, that the magic happens, you, best connections happen when, as you said, Matt, when you're palm to palm, when you're like in person, that's where amazing experiences happen. And then this thing that, you know, maybe some people heard of, maybe some people didn't hear of, I don't know, you know, this, this COVID-19 pandemic kind of happened in March. And we started seeing in China, you know, like 95% of groups like canceling. And we're like, well, that's maybe just, you know, that's, you know, sometimes these things happen, it's SARS or Asian flu and some other things that have happened in the past. Okay, not going to happen. And then we saw Italy, I'm like, huh, this is kind of interesting. Let's get into Europe. And then finally in March of 2000, we just saw all meetup events and groups just went off a cliff because you couldn't meet up. Like, what the heck does a company do called Meetup when you can't meet up? And the number one reason why we turned down organizers in the past is because they wanted to have kind of digital Zoom ex- experience. And we're like, no, we're all about in person. Right. But then, like, we sat back and we said, wait, what's our goal? Is our goal about in person or is our goal curing the loneliness epidemic? Is our goal an understanding that 46% of people regularly feel lonely. Our goal is building real connections and eliminating loneliness as much as we possibly can in this world. And oh my God, there's a lot more loneliness during COVID right now than beforehand. Mm. We need to quickly pivot. We got all of our engineers together. We changed our technology in like a week. We launched this MVP that was uh, filled with some challenges in it because we never had a situation where multiple locations would participate in an event kind of at the same time. And since the pandemic has started, we've had now over 6 million online events um, during the pandemic. We're about up to now uh, about 62 thirds in person, back to in person, one third still online. And the number one request by all of our organizers is, can we still make sure to still be able to do online stuff after this pandemic ends? And the answer is, hell yeah. And there's a lot of benefits to online and also in person. So, you know, we're doing both. And uh, it's, it's kind of a great example where um, you need to understand that in a pivot, 
you know, the whole idea of a pivot is your heel stays planted, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And and our heel was always planted on our mission. Our mission never changed. Our mission wasn't about IRL. It was about building real connections for people. But what, how we accomplished that mission in terms of the, the pivot, um, that we were able to modify depending on the need and situation. That's amazing, man. And and I think that's obviously, you know, in any good business, right? You you have many factors that are 100% out of your control, right? You can only either one, be proactive based on where you think things are going, but at the end of the day, right, it's your ability to respond accordingly and still try and achieve the goals that, like you said, the mission, right? The, the, the statement that you guys, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe every single day. And with the world becoming very digital, very online driven, um, will in-person like ever go away? Or is there this human desire to always be physically connected in some way, shape or form um, in your guys' opinion from what you see? Well, we're obviously very biased, but let's just, you know, let's just assume our bias and that we could appreciate it. And then I'll still sell you a biased opinion for someone, which is, human connection in person is like built into our DNA. I mean, that's the reality. 10,000, 100,000 years ago, humans survived because they were hunter-gatherers and because they were able to help and support each other. And then after that, when communities were built, they survived because they were able to barter products one with each other and not just eat the same, you know, whatever they happened to have raised. So we are a result of our DNA. We are evolutionary species and we crave human connection despite the challenges that we have. And it's an amazing thing that we're still kind of in the middle, not the middle, hopefully, the end of the pandemic, but still, you know, it's roaring in certain places. And we're still two thirds in person. The fact that we're still two thirds in person right now, um, and obviously there's some places like, you know, Texas and Florida that are like, you know, very open, shall we say? And yeah. Other places like, uh, uh, other places, shall we say, yeah, that right. are much more uh, restrictive in terms of in terms of their policies. Yeah, so it's a human need. It's the most human thing in the world, and uh, it's never going to change. I hope it never changes. The the metaverse, you know, whatever that 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 that's going to happen at some point, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be human connections. That'll be a big part of that too. Yeah, I mean, I was going to kind of ask about that, right? You know, you're seeing the metaverse, you're seeing, you know, this kind of community membership based approach to NFTs, right? And this exclusivity and how people connect and, you know, um, label, I guess, based on, you know, what community you're a part of in the NFT space. Have you guys done a lot of research in terms of, you know, are you guys all focusing on the physical realm or is there some aspect of meetup that's starting to pay more attention to the metaverse, pay attention to NFT? And and how does that all kind of tie in with your guys' mission, knowing that, you know, a lot of the younger generations are more analog, it's all they know. Um, and sometimes that's more preferred for them. How, how are you guys, you know, looking at and balancing those trends? Yeah, great question. So first of all, things like NFTs um, are the biggest thing that applies to that is crowdsourcing. Is the concept of the crowd getting together to do something and everyone benefiting or losing in kind of the work yeah. of the work of the crowd, right. right? In many cases, it's losing depending on 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 what cryptocurrency related activity that you're actually doing. Um, it's been, crypto, crowdsourcing has been around for a long. eBay is about crowdsourcing and getting people together in an online community of buyers and sellers. It's been going on for 20 plus years. Yep. Um, this is another manifestation of it without a doubt. With that said, yeah, people are in front of their screens a lot. Um, no doubt. I think the future of events is going to be more hybrid events where people are going to be some getting together in person, but the technology is going to be so good that there's going to be people in person and there's also going to be people kind of remote. And, and there's going to be things that if you're remote that you could do, like chatting or polling, that's going to be much easier to do. And things that if you're in person, like, like building relationships with people, that's going to be much easier to do when you're in person. But what it does is, is it opens up an event to any geography. So if there's amazing, you know, if Matthew Aitchison, how do you pronounce your last name? You got it, man. That's actually, yeah. that's impressive. Most people screw that up. If Matthew Aitchison, you know, comes out and everyone's like, I need to hear Matthew speak. He's the man. Then, um, you know, people could come in from all different countries and hear you. And, and that's something that really wasn't a thing in the past. So I think there is the danger of people, you know, sitting there on Twitch 
and just playing video games or watching other people play video game sports, you know, yeah. all day long. And um, ultimately, I don't think that gives them wealth. I don't think that gives them happiness. Uh, I think it it helps, but it's oftentimes more of a dulling helping than a energizing um, and life-building type helping. Yeah, yeah. I think the the power of in in person versus digital. It's it's hard to argue that. I guess it all depends on the eye of the beholder. But you know, for me, in, there's there's different physical energy interaction, connection. You know, takeaways, dopamine hits. I mean, you know, so many different variables in the at least in my opinion, more impactful variables in person, you know, meetups and community uh, interaction versus online. Um, but that's also based on my experiences right up until this point. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 mean, I what were we going to, you're going to add something to that? I was just going to say there's someone who I admire tremendously. Her name is Radha Agrawal. He's, she's the founder of um, Daybreaker and the author of Belong. And she writes a lot about something called DOSE, um, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And those four things are things that actually happen in person. You're giving a hug to someone, like oxytocin is being released during that experience. These are like natural human chemicals that we are literally are part of our bodies that are necessary for us to be able to survive and thrive, but really even to survive. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, we're all human, so pretty darn important. Absolutely. Now, what have been some of the greatest things that you've seen come out of the community aspect of meetup.com? And, and, and the reason why I ask that, just to give a little more context to our listeners, right, is like so many people, they want to build their business. They want to build their network. They want to connect with other people who share like-mindedness or want to go out and adventure together or whatever it may be. What are some of the things that you guys have seen being the most amazing, you know, outcomes of really using meetups and community building as a whole? And what is your encouragement to people that may be going, I, you know, I, maybe I want to do this, but I don't want to do this, but really like how it could truly benefit them and their mission and their ability to create wealth and impact. Okay. So I'll give, I'll give an example of uh, someone that I met. When I we I used to pre-pandemic and actually I'm starting to do it now next month I can't wait um, or get go to a city and meet with all the meetup organizers in the city and get an understanding of like what made them tick what's working what's not working can learn from their experiences. Remember I was in San Mateo California your home state and I was meeting with a with a organizer and the organizer said I run two groups one group I run is a career business networking group because I want to advance my career. And I run another group because I love bowling and I love wanting to meet other bowlers and we and we go bowling together. It's like, oh, that's awesome. One's fun, one's personal, one's professional. He goes, I got to tell you something. At the bowling group, I ended up getting two of my next jobs. And at the career networking group, I ended up meeting like a best buddy. So what I love about that story is kind of the overlap of the personal and the professional. Yeah. That the best way to grow professionally oftentimes is personal relationships. The number of people that I've been I've heard that have gone on and met that have gone on like a meetup hike or meetup kickball or whatever, meetup anything. It's not related to business and end up getting jobs is enormous because you're spending time hiking together and you're building relationships and great things happen when you build relationships. And the number of times that I've also met, you know, an organizer and, and he's not even a singles group and they go rock climbing together. And there's been like six marriages that have come out of rock climbing together. Like that wasn't intended, but good things happen. Right. So it's it's kind of these serendipitous moments that occur in community, whether it's personal turning into professional or professional turning into personal, that's just like the most beautiful thing that could happen. Lucky things end up happening to people when they're around other people and building community. So just yes. get out there and join some yes. meetup groups, everyone. So let's assume... Somebody listening is going, you know, I want to, I want to create a meetup group. I want to, I want to move forward with this. What are some of the best practices or, or qualities and characteristics of some of the most successful and impactful meetup groups that you guys have seen? Okay, great. So well, the largest group that we have is like the New York tech group. It's close to hundred thousand members. I mean, that's like crazy successful. It, it's, they have conferences, they have 
daily, weekly events. Um, it, it's, it's a movement. You know, that's, that's crazy successful. But you know what's also successful? When someone starts a book club and they're really into mystery novels and they want to find other people who are interested in mystery novels or romantic mystery novels or whatever the, the thing happens to be. And there's like eight people and they never knew them before. And they get together once a month or once every other month. And they talk about this great mystery romance novel that they read. That's just as awesome. The average meetup group is only eight people. Meetup event is only eight people typically joining. So it's okay. it be small and intimate and you could really build relationships with people. And I would say the advice I would give is number one, attend some events. I, I tend to like go on our app. I mean, websites is obviously great, but I like the app personally more iOS or Android and just scroll through RSVP, join a couple of events, go to a couple of events, go to the, ideally ones that are in person in your area. There's not a single city that we're not in. We're in like 2000 cities around the world. And, and that's step one. But then think about becoming a meetup organizer. And the reason I say that is because there's nothing more the, the best learning happens when you're leading. Yeah. If you're able to create a community and meetup does is then we market the community to the 50 million plus people that we have in our database and people just attend and they join and they show up and all these people end up coming to this thing. And the more niche you can make it for as other advice I would give the better. So for example, hikers in Brooklyn is one thing, but um, lesbian hikers in Brooklyn for that are photographers or whatever the thing is, that's going to be like, wow. And, and, and when you're able to get more, the more niche, I think that you're able to get sometimes more powerful, those connections can end up being versus kind of just the broad kind of statement of business networking, you know, yes. that's not that interesting. Yeah, and that's a great tip, right? Cause I think uh, when you stay that high level, you know, yeah, you might meet a broad range of people, but you may not really have the ability to connect on a much deeper level than if you're to niche down, like you said, and really go, that's my group, right? Like, yeah, there's 50, you know, groups like this, but these subcategories align with me the most and I'm going to go in there. So I really love that because, you know, whether it's, hey, you want an investor group, okay, an investor group that is focused on NFTs in the X, you know, space, right? We or got it. <laughs> Whatever it may be, I think it's it's a great way to find your people and your tribe yeah, um, yeah. a little bit more intentionally. Yeah, tomorrow night, my son and I, um, who's 17, um, we're going to be going to, we both enjoy ping pong, we like board games. And I saw that 20 minutes from me in Westchester, there's a, a strategy board game and ping pong meetup like event at, at like a ping pong club playing games. And I'm like, oh my God, we got to go to this. And he's like, yeah, let's go. So like, you know, most 17 year olds don't exactly want to do these things for their dads, but it's a fun thing to do. When we go to cities together or travel, we open up the meetup app and we're like, let's just check out what fun things are going on here. We just, that's how, and we travel, we just go to cool events while in different cities and meet people. Uh, I love that. So guys, be sure to, and we'll have this, you know, at the um, millionairemindcast.com on David's episode, check out all the links. Obviously you guys can go to, you know, uh, meetup.com or meetup uh, on the app store. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your your book and some of your leadership philosophies, being that, you know, you've really ascended up this leadership ladder and that's obviously not by accident. There's, you know, obviously uh, something that you've done or a sequence and series of, you know, skills and, and strategies and relationships that you've been able to connect the dots on. And I'm curious, what led to the authorship of Decide and Conquer? Okay. So I had always been obsessed with kind of the science and practice of decision-making. You know, people don't realize you literally are making hundreds, if not thousands of decisions every day. Should I brush my teeth? When should I brush my teeth? You know, there's so many different decisions that even deciding not to make a decision at this point is a decision because you're pushing, you're deciding not to make a decision to do it later on. So we're making tons of decisions. And, and I found that some people are risk averse and they're afraid of making decisions. Well, that's actually a decision not to make a decision. And, and I've been obsessed with it, but I didn't want to write like a, a boring kind of like textbook with like your standard, like top 10 decision-making practices and people just kind of read academic stuff. I wanted to make it fun. Yeah. And just this great, crazy story. Not some good stories in life. They didn't have like amazing stories. And then being part of Meetup, working with Adam Newman, being part of the WeWork kind of trajectory up 
and definite trajectory down, trying to sell Meetup during the pandemic and then run Meetup when you couldn't actually meet up in person. It just made for these insane kind of experiences, challenges, opportunities, all the other good stuff. And then I was able to like weave in different ways in which we made different decisions. And the example is, you know, the whole decision that we talked about earlier about pivoting the business and, and, and then figure out what are the themes that, that existed um, in all these decision-making processes. And I, and I share like a, a number of different themes. So examples of themes are things like, which are some of the things I've talked about already, but things like there's a difference between being kind and being nice. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are going to fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. And sometimes people are not willing to hurt someone else's feelings and they want to be as nice as possible. That's actually not kind. If someone's not doing a great job, the kindest thing you could do is to give them critical feedback. Sometimes someone can't succeed in a company. The kindest thing you could do is tell them they need to start looking for another job and do what I call a transparent separation. Um, That's kind. may not be nice but it's kind. Figure out how to be as kind as possible in your decisions because your reputation kind of will follow you. Making speedy decisions is something that oftentimes people are reluctant to make. You need to make quick decisions, kind of lean startup decision-making, and then pivot after that quick decision, learn from the decision, and then make the next smart decision after you get data. But people are oftentimes so reluctant and the analysis paralysis, and they end up rolling something out when in reality, they could have rolled that out six months prior or three months prior and then be in a way, way better position because they'll learn from, from that experience and rolling out. So speedier decisions is really important. Last one I'll say, I mean, I could share a lot, but last one I'll, I'll, I'll share for now um, is, is around kind of optionality of decision-making and thinking about there are certain decisions that are like trapdoor decisions. You make the decision, it's very hard to change that decision. You just had a kid. That's a trapdoor decision. Very hard to change that. Hmm. Okay, great. Most decisions are not trapdoor decisions. Most decisions can be made. And many decisions increase the number of options that you have for yourself. Like your decision to start a podcast has probably opened up all these other opportunities for yourself. Mm -hmm. That was a great decision. Um, And other decisions minimize options. I'm going to work in this very specific niche area. So the only other jobs I could ever get are also in this very specific niche area. And that might minimize decisions. So thinking about whether that decision creates more opportunity and when opportunity comes luck and all these lucky things can happen to you, or whether that decision minimizes opportunities and fewer lucky things can end up happening to you. So like anyone else, when people say like, oh, I've been lucky, it's being humble, but you really have been lucky, but I think you can engineer luck through decision-making. Yeah. And so obviously Decide and Conquer goes over a variety of impactful things in terms of being a leader, 
using the proper decisions or choices to go out and conquer your dreams and, you know, your, um, I think goals around, you know, what many people have to aspire in unlocking maybe wealth or impact or, you know, just fulfillment. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what your journey looks like, you know, moving forward in terms of your vision, what is your North star that you're kind of making decisions around and looking to conquer yourself? Okay. Uh, I'm pleased the word conquer. I love it. Um, I have enjoyed running companies and being a corporate person for close to, actually for 25 years. Ugh, sounds so old. <laughs> um, but I'm ready to kind of, I don't think my next gig is going to be running another company. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy, I happen to teach as a professor at Columbia and I, I love teaching students. Um, the, one of the beauties of the book is that it hopefully could open up opportunities for me to uh, uh, meet other interesting people, other authors and, and conferences. And I'm looking forward to that. But on a personal level, um, as I'm getting to late, late, in my late forties, I am looking to pull back actually from the traditional career pretty significantly and spend as much of my time as possible doing things that I'm passionate about, whether it's running triathlons, I'm super passionate about, or hitting, you know, at least a hundred countries in the century club. I'm at like 50 right now. Nice. You know, traveling. Um, uh, you know, hike out Kilimanjaro, but I'd like to hike, you know, all the different major mountains that are, you know, out there in, in, in every continent. So, you know, to me, wealth helps to bring freedom and helps to allow people to be responsible, support their family, support themselves, give to charities, but then at the same time, use your time because all of our time is really the greatest resource that we have and in ways that are most meaningful to us. So I'm looking personally forward to just using my time in ways that are as meaningful as possible, mentoring other people, um, advising, advising companies, that kind of, those kind of things are, you know, where hopefully the future lays. So what's been your favorite country you've traveled to and what's on the top of uh, your hit list next? Oh boy. Okay. I mean, I'm biased sort of from my religion, but um, I spent a couple of years living in Israel. Nice. Israel is a special place, not just for Judaism, but very much for Christianity, for Islam, and for actually many other religions as well. If people enjoy history and they enjoy um, also just kind of beauty, then to me, that's kind of the special place in the world. So nice. I love it. my oldest son is in college there, for example. So oh, cool. we get to go pretty often. Uh, so that's my top place. Second place would probably be Iceland because it feels like you're like in another country when you're in Iceland. Right. You know, it's, it's really, uh, I've done like bike racing in Iceland and, uh, you know, on, on lava fields. It's, it's really, it's really cool stuff. Um, where it's next on the list, you know, I really, um, the big hike that I want to do is called Annapurna Circuit and it's in Nepal. Okay. Um, it's a two week hike. It's a hut based hike where you go from hut to hut. Which is a lot easier than um, than than camping and, and taking your tent from from one place to another. Yeah. So and it's 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 for people that are into hiking. It is known as one of the most beautiful hikes kind of in the world, and uh, that's that's the one I want to hit. Annapurna Circuit in, uh, in Nepal. I'm gonna have to. But I got I gotta like I gotta you know, check that one out. At the appropriate time, not while I'm probably meetup CEO, though you never know. Maybe I'll take a two-week vacation. Yeah, or right. To take two weeks. So let's though. talk about that for a quick second, right? Of like how how do you balance this this hustle and this grind kind of necessity, right? When you want to be the best and and create the best outcomes for your company or your business or your life. Um, and also, you know, not sacrifice what is most important or should be at least prioritized as most important with, let's say, health or, you know, marriage or parenting. How have you been able to kind of, you know, keep the teeter-totter, you know, within reason that, you know, things don't kind of fall off the wheels? Okay, so love the question. My answer is you don't balance it, you prioritize. So what do I mean by that? I mean, family is most important for me. This is for me. For other people, it could be totally different. But for me, family's top priority 
Um, leaving, I used to leave work when I was younger. When you're, you know, when people are senior, like, oh, well, you can leave work and nothing will happen to you when you're senior. It's actually harder to leave work earlier when you're senior because you're under the microscope and then people are like, well, the CEO is leaving so early. Maybe I'll leave early. Mm-hmm. When you're junior, it's actually easier. Um, I never worked weekends. Um, I, now that we're in pandemic, I do because like that's what people do during pandemic. But I never worked weekends. And I used to leave the office, one of the earlier people to leave the office. And and I learned, and to me, again, you work to live, you don't live to work. Working to live makes you a more interesting person. And if you're a more interesting person, then you're going to have more interesting, fruitful, and meaningful relationships. Mm. And those relationships will oftentimes make you more successful in marketing or sales or management or other things that you're planning on doing. So the priority is take care of yourself. Also to understand that exercise, and I probably exercise four or five times a week, is, is one of the best investments you can make. When I exercise and I have more energy and more of those endorphins and everything else running through my body, like I don't drink any coffee, period, ever. When I exercise, I have more energy. I'm like, now, those 45 minutes I just sacrificed is now uh, multiply. Now the next 10 hours, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have double the amount of things I can accomplish because I'm not going to be lethargic during that time. So it's it's just an ROI equation that exercise equals better effectiveness. So spend your time exercising and that's a good return on time. I love that. I love that. And I like what you said too of you prioritize, right? It's that the balance is... Well, balance, in my opinion, is, is all subjective based on the person and what their goals are and what matters to them, right? And so I think it's more of a counterbalance thing. I don't think you're ever fully in balance. It's just knowing based on, let's say, I always use the analogy of a North Star um, and making sure that your calendar, your priorities, your time allocation is congruent with what you think, you know, is most aligned with your North Star and what you're looking to accomplish. So I love that, right? Because it's like, Nobody's going to ever be in full, you know, synergy and balance you know, all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, when we were, when, I mentioned this in the book, when we were looking to, when we were looking to sell the company, I had like 20 conversations with investment bankers and buyers and it was just madness. I promised my son who's a huge Green Bay Packer fan that we were going to Lambeau Field and go to, you know, spend four days um, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And people were like, oh, so I guess you're going to cancel that trip. I'm like, No. I'm going on that trip. Maybe I'll take one or two calls, but not that many. Right. And if I need to work 14-hour days prior to the trip or 14-hour days or whatever it is after the trip, I'm going to do that because that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And and the priorities, right? And I think the other piece of it too that I always, one, tell myself first and foremost and try and live by what I'm talking about is, you know, there's seasons of life too, right? Maybe a season where you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to prioritize work this season, but it's not going to be at the sacrifice of my wife or my kids or my health. I just have to figure out what that balance, you know, and reprioritization looks like. And then there are other seasons where you're like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to have a nice, easy month and I'm going to get to spend tons of time traveling or doing this or that, but I'm going to have to work in some, you know, some work calls, right? And I think it's one setting proper expectations with yourself and having your time align with those expectations and commitments. And then it's right. The the people that it impacts or that are priorities in your life, making sure you're setting proper expectations and still, you know, giving them what they need, um, in those different seasons. Right. Beautiful. Well said. So I always love to know, as we kind of wrap things up here, what are you what challenge are you working on right now? Is it, you know, or is it a skill? Is it a strategy? Is it a project? Like, what are you excited about? And what are you really kind of sinking your teeth into right now? Yeah. For Meetup specifically, what I'm most excited about is as people start merging out of the pandemic and there's this pent up like demand for getting back together in person. And we're just like literally just seeing it like week by week of just more and more people who were saying, oh, I'll do an online event, going, to, getting back together in person, getting back together in person, and then getting emails from people or posts on social saying, my first person, my first in-person event in two years, it was so amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm just excited for that return back to normalcy because you know what? It's not going to be normal. It's going to be abnormal in a good way because the normal had been so painful for so many people for the last couple of years. Yeah. 
And there's going to be so much, um, so many amazing things that happen. People are going to realize, oh my God, how much I miss this. I'm just excited about bringing that more to the world and having more and more people experience that within Meetup. I love it. Well, for those that want to take advantage of Meetup, that want to get more connected to the platform, unless you've been living under a rock, um, you probably already know about Meetup, right? But with that being said, I think there's so many cool new benefits and um, you know things that can be utilized with what you guys have, you know, kind of tooled up for over the last couple of years and kind of where we're finding ourselves at, you know, in the endemic, hopefully. Um, so with that being said, you know, between the book, between some of your content, between Meetup, David, you know, where's the best place for uh, people to connect with you and follow what Meetup's doing? Okay. For Meetup, I would say we have a blog called Community Matters, and we have about 2 million people that get the blog once a week. Lots of great community advice. So that's a way to learn about Meetup and just download our app. And that's also a great way. And for the book, um, you go to decidingconquerbook.com. You can go to Amazon, you go to Barnes and Noble, you go anywhere you want. And the book is there and uh, it's coming out real soon. And uh, super excited about it. David, and also the audio version of the book is actually, I just started listening to it, is uh, it's not my voice, which is probably good because I'm a little too nasally. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's a great listen, uh, the, the audio book too. So, so that's fun too. David, appreciate your time today, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.